Spalon Montage is the Twin Cities premier salon and spa destination and proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury, and Chanhassen, there is a Spalon close to you. Visit online at Spalon.com. We are less than one week away from the 2024 NFL Combine, and joining us today on the Minnesota Vikings podcast is voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen. We dive into all things NFL Combine related and more, and I'm so excited for you guys to check out today's show. So without further ado, let's get right to it. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. What is going on? Welcome inside the TCO Radio Studio. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson. It is a full show today, a full room here inside the TCO Radio Studio. We got our producer, Eric Davidson here, Tatum Everett from Vikings.com. And of course, always to my right is Mr. Jay Nelson. Our guest today is a, is a guy, a voice that we all know. He's the voice of the Minnesota Vikings, Mr. Paul Allen, and he is down the line at KFAN, PA, appreciate you joining us, man. What's going on, everybody? Uh, right in front of the Combine, exciting time of the year. The Combine, <laughs> for sure, is the the start of the excitement for who will the Vikings draft first round, second round, third round, and so on and so forth for this offseason. But, PA, I'm, I'm going to pose a question to you. Uh, it was on Vikings.com. So Jake Reed has been doing some Q&As with us for Vikings.com, and someone asked him this question. I'm going to ask you. What is the best solution the Vikings can do this offseason? I mean, it, it, that's a major overarching question, you know, which which is very difficult to answer because there are so many details that need to fall into place to get to the overarching answer. At least that's my opinion. But first and foremost is, you know, it, I, when, when I say figure out the quarterback spot, I, I don't in any way mean to disrespect those who probably – mostly have an idea within that building where you are exactly what it's going to look like. But from a public perception standpoint, I think, you know, once you figure out if it's going to be cousins and a rookie and, and then who's the rookie and where did you get him? If it's not going to be cousins, who is it going to be? You know what? Once you solve that, I think a lot of things will fall into place. Do you hope or, or do you expect to get any clarity in what you just talked about, or at least a little bit more clarity with the combine? Yes. Yeah, that that's that's one of the hidden gems, at least from my standpoint, have, having been there a decade and change and getting to know so many people around the NFL. It's it's, you know, both both you guys have have done extensive work there and you know you'll you'll chat with people and and learn to negotiate your way through the subterfuge so therefore to eliminate the distractions and and things that people you know hope you hear and then share on the radio or share with other people it, it's it but but it's wrong it, it's people you know at the combine with whom I chat at times with certain positions or players you know, they purposely will try to put people on the wrong on the wrong path. Well, then you have agents who will work with, you know, massive national newsbreakers to establish narratives and agendas that also may not take place. But they're trying to increase either the, the leverage for their client or the popularity and exposure for their client. So so there are agendas. It's trying to navigate my way through the agendas, the subterfuge and things like that to just get a feel from the right people who are not with the Vikings, 
what they think is going to happen with our squad. Pierre, do you feel like that has evolved over the years that you've been uh, attending the Combine and talking to all these different people? Is it something that's just more out there because of social media, or is it something that's always kind of been there and you just have had to kind of figure out over the years how to read the tea leaves on that situation? Well, excellent question because it's evolved, but it's evolved to a more quiet, conservative way where because of social media and and because uh, of people not like you know like like Tatum Gabe myself you know where you can see us at vikings.com or hear us at KFAN you know we're we're not interested in breaking news but we probably could break a fair amount of stories if we were interested in doing that so establishing that level of trust with people so they know that if they tell you something you're not immediately going to A, run and tell somebody else, or B, go to social media with it. But because there are becoming so few of those people who can be trusted, that I the, the evolving has been actually people becoming more close to the vest, at least with me. Yeah, what, what number combine is this for you this year? Um, I think it's about 12, something like that. The uh, the year, Cam, when it, whenever Cam Newton got drafted. Gotcha. So it was 20, yeah, 2011 was the first one, yeah. skipped it. We actually were there 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And and see see things that emerge from the combine that, that are palpable for me, like 2020, is we, we get to Indianapolis and we start hearing this is going to be the greatest wide receiver draft that the NFL draft has, has ever known. All right, well, old schoolers are like, you know, I'm going to pump the brakes for a second and go ahead and respectfully give them two seasons before we establish that type of a grandiose opinion. Well, those who started that late 2019, early 2020, they were dead right. The J.J. draft all the way through the likes of Darnell Mooney and a bunch of receivers who who really worked out well. That's more of what I'm looking for to shape the environment with with where what position groups are super deep. I guess my question just to follow up with that is from 2011 until this year, how has your opinion or like what storylines have changed going into this year's draft versus previous years? Like how would you compare the previous, I guess, 13 or 14 at this point? Yeah, the the first combine for for me, uh, I think it was 2011 uh, when when Cam Newton was taken and then. And uh, yeah, it might have been a little after that, whatever, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbard, it was all those quarterbacks, is the main problem that the, like the big story coming into the combine was Cam Newton, before he was taken by the Panthers first overall, saying, you know, having the, the comfortability and the confidence to say, I'm an entertainer, okay? I didn't find him to, to in any way be arrogant with what he was saying, but a lot of people did. Well, and, and so then, you know, therefore, the football – is in the same fishbowl as all forms of entertainment industries. It just may be under a different rock. So there's an entertaining side of it, but the way people were going after that compared to now where it's people will take measurables and 40 times and things like that they get from the combine and they will mentally elevate what they think of, of certain players because of what they did at the combine. So it's just it it's it goes back to kind of what Jay asked about evolving. You know, the the first combine radio show that I did in 2011, there was the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, uh, team channel, which was just starting, uh, an Indianapolis radio station and a Cleveland radio station and KFAN. Wow, and and we were on the concourse at Lucas Oil. Well, I mean, now you know we're we're in a ballroom or in a convention center, big room. There are eight million radio shows and team cams. 
So that definitely has evolved, which plays into really everything we've talked about. But because of it, people are looking for edges with players and ways to decipher who their team's going to take by elevating some things that they're hearing or seeing at the combine. Leaving out the wide receiver chat from 2020 that you remember, was there another story from the combine? Or what is your favorite story from a combine of maybe a player that really just made his case for being someone who should be drafted? Uh, Well, last year when we got there, and I'd heard about it a little bit before, you know, I I heard some, you know, people with other teams who I've just known for years telling me how deep the tight ends draft was, is going to be. And and then, you know, you see Dalton Kincaid get drafted and, you know, the Packers got three of them. They got Luke Musgrave, they got Tucker Craft, and and the Vikings had Ben Sims. And then they got him, you know, after, after the last cuts and he ended up being active a majority of the games during the season. So that that kind of stuff, you know, it, it's it's when they jump on top of a position group being, you know, as deep as they've ever seen, the people with whom I chat, well then I I go with it, you know, without watching a lot of college football and and you know, generally speaking, it has come to fruition. So from a player standpoint, you know, the I I think the best story to share there would be the year the Vikings drafted Matt Khalil, and I think that was 2012. Well, I had caught wind in in the December before that the Vikings were extremely interested in him and probably were going to take him. And that, you know, hadn't changed in the two and a half months since since I, you know, received that information. So I see Matt Khalil walking through the concourse at Lucas Oil Stadium, second combine show for me, and having the hyperactive gene. When when we went to break, I got out of my chair. He was walking with a the late Gil Brandt, God rest his soul. And I was trying to talk to him for a second. And, and like Gil and security were like, nah, he's got to go. And then I said, well, you know, he, he's he's going to play for the Minnesota Vikings and we're probably going to get him <laughs> a Continental Diamond uh, endorsement to come on my show weekly. So can I at least start talking about that? And then and Matt looked at me like, where did this guy come from? He, he smiled and laughed and eventually he was taken by the Vikings, but he never got the endorsement. But that uh <laughs> Uh, that uh, that's kind of the the player story that jumps out at me. Really quick for EPA, it's hard to believe that if you would have thought back in 2011 that the two quarterbacks that'd be left in the league were Andy Dalton and Blaine Gabbert. I don't think that wow. would have been on your, uh, mm. your wow. list. Red Rifle went in that draft. I forgot that. Yeah. Uh, really quick. So, what are your feelings then about guys that choose to not participate? in some of the different drills and things and choose to wait until they do it at kind of their controlled schools pro day. Uh, it's, you know, I, I just don't know enough about what goes into certain drills at the combine to know how greatly impacted positively or negatively. Some, some of these players can, can uh, have be impacted. So, I mean, it players choosing to run forties and have that be official at their pro days. I mean, that, that's been that's age old. So that's been going on for a while. Now you're getting big agencies telling their players to not take the cognitive test. Uh, well, people, a lot of people are going to get loud about that and read into it without having any idea what kind of questions are coming up these young men. So really, until I know what the questions are and if they're too intrusive or if they're just too wacky or whatever, I'm not mad at that because it's it's the the personnel departments are charged not just with watching the games and the film and meeting with them at the combine and the senior bowl and stuff like that, 
but having staffs that work all during college football season for those very reasons, to learn how people handle themselves off the field. How are people doing in school? Do they go to all, all of their classes? And, and then the football-related stuff. So it's just a by-faith approach that if they choose to skip things at the Combine, everything eventually will be become unearthed. Yeah, I think with the the cognitive test, the the C.J. Stroud story is the the first thing that comes to mind, where his uh, cognitive test was flagged by the NFL, I believe, and ultimately we we saw him go on and uh, win Offensive Rookie of the Year. So I, I I understand what you're saying when it comes to people opting out, not knowing enough. But we we've seen a, a trend when it comes to coaches and teams opting out, or coaches or head coaches from certain teams opting out from going to the combine. I know you and I talked about this uh, on your show 9 to noon earlier, but do, do you have thoughts and opinions on uh, the the Sean McVay's of the world or some of these coaches that have won Super Bowls opting out of the combine? Yeah, you know, I, I gray area does, does nobody any good. So I'm sorry to kind of go down that road because this is all really new to me. But, like, this is the time of the year where I will start texting Kevin Stefanski, Daryl Bevel, uh, Phil Rauscher, offensive line coach for the Jags, Leslie Frazier, and so on and so on and so on, uh, Todd Downing, quarterback's coach for uh, for the Jets, and trying to establish uh, uh, Monday or Tuesday evening taped interviews that I can play back Tuesday or Wednesday. And, and you know, like Matt LaFleur is another one that, that, you know, I was hoping to have there. And I just, I mean, I couldn't believe when I was sending out those texts the amount of coaches that were saying, we are not going. Okay, well, you know, I'm not going to push somebody I barely know and don't have any idea what's going on with their team on like, oh, why? But when they say we, well, what I learned was a lot of the coaches don't go, but, you know, some of the key scouts and certainly the personnel people go. And the coaches will, with the with these interviews where they get 20 minutes in the hotel rooms, you know, they will watch it and do it via Zoom. So that's a separate conversation. Um, but I don't know if it's a cost-cutting measure uh, there are some people within the NFL that kind of feel it's too spring breakish mm. for a lot of their teams when they go. And yeah, they get the work done and they watch the drills and they do the interviews. But what happens outside of that? So th- this is this is morphing. Uh, Matt LaFleur uh, told me he and his staff are not going. Uh, mm. Leslie Frazier's not going. I, uh, uh, the Jets aren't going. You know, I'm I'm just happy KOC and Quasi Adolfo Mensa are going to be there Tuesday or Wednesday for a nine to noon on KFAM because they'll for sure be there for at least those days. That's interesting. Was that something that happened last year, or is this kind of the first year where they feel that no, way? Well, it's 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 gotten thicker this okay. year. It, there are more that who are telling me that they're not going uh, because last year there were some staffs that did not go, but I don't think it was as extensive last year as it is this year. Yeah, I think the the first thing that comes to mind was like Bill Belichick. Uh, he didn't go in the past. And then Sean McVay, I think the year they won the Super Bowl, he wasn't at the combine that year. And then uh, I believe Andy Reid a couple of years ago. So there's been more and more. Uh, but to PA's point of more teams at the same time not going, I think that's, that's raising some more questions and some more eyebrows around what value or significance does the combine have when, you know, every coach gets the same um, – data analytics. Um, there's different coaches hosting the drill. So everyone gets to see all these numbers. So if if three teams are in a meeting room with the same quarterback, why can't we all just share that information? So I, in my opinion, I believe the pro day is starting to become a little bit more popular. But to PA's point, I, I think that's the reason why it's because the pro days is where teams and players are starting to 
um, work out because they're a little bit more comfortable there. So that helps ultimately uh, the, the evaluation process from that perspective. Well, and the Vikings also, correct me if I'm wrong here, they had their full staff at the senior ball. I yep. mean, every single coach. And, you know, in my X amount of years calling games for them or doing shows at KFAN, I've never known a full staff to go to the senior ball. So, you know, what are you able to pull from the senior ball that maybe you're not able to pull from the combine compared to the pro days to kind of put this whole thing together? I want, I wonder if it's the competition because yeah. uh, senior bowl, you got guys in pads, so you can actually see them run, work out, do what they got to do versus the combine where it's, you know, they call it the underwear Olympics. And then you got pro day where guys are actually in their, you know, comfortability, their running routes, they're with their quarterback. They're with people that make them look the best. And, you know, when they go to a team, the team selecting them are going to put them in a situation where they can look the best. So I think that's why it's that big of a deal. But I don't know. That's just my my theory on just this whole thing with why the combine is not as popular or turns into a, a spring break. Do you see it? I feel, I feel like I see it taking a fan approach as well. Yes. Like mm-hmm. they'll eventually make it a thing where it's definitely more fan centered and, yep. and the actual combine of it all will be such a byproduct, but we're seeing mm. players opting out of it too. And that can only diminish the product as well, which is just a little bit interesting. Well, when it comes to the cognitive testing, you know, and I don't really know what, exactly what goes into it, but I mean, I would find it beneficial if I had a player in a hotel room and I got a whiteboard with a pen And, you know, you're either plays that player ran at his college or plays you run. I always like it when I learn that they drew up one play. Okay, we looked at this all week, but now the safety's over here. What do you do? And then they get up there and they like draw a new one. Okay, well, then here's a three, four that we play. We plan for all week. But now it's become a 46. What are you going to do? And then they get up on the board and draw how they're going to get around it. So if if that's like part of the cognitive testing and agents are having players refuse to do that, well, I, I think that's a problem because, I mean, that's really something as as a personnel person and or a head coach that I would want to know on the spot. And And by the way, it's not like it's the first time these coaches or personnel people have done this. If somebody makes a mistake, they make a mistake. But, you know, I've, I've just learned over the years that when players can get up there and draw things that are unexpected and nail it, those end up being the best players in the NFL. Well, that's the thing on my end is it just feels like, you know, what we see as the public is the dog and pony show for the public to be excited about getting, you know, breaking down numbers or whatever. Because if you were truly think about it, football teams with their stats and analytics, they can literally break down any play, any any chunk you can go in and ask for. I want third down over six yards, et cetera, et cetera. And they can break it down that way and get whatever stats and analytics that they want. But when it comes to something like this, I think the thing that's probably the most valuable for the teams is one-on-one time. And it's, you know, if they're only getting 15 minutes or whatever, at least for them, they're getting, they can throw a scenario at them. And then later on in the evaluation process, if they're doing, you know, uh, dinners and everything else for the meet and greets for these guys and get more time with them. I think the one-on-one time is probably the most important part of this aspect. And if guys are opting out or coaches are choosing not to go, then they must be banking on getting that time some, you know, someplace else at at a different time. No doubt. Like like the pro days. Mm -hmm. That just reminds me of the story though that um, when you hear about the reasons that KOC liked Jaron Hall was being able to show him, like you guys had mentioned, plays that he had ran and get his 
get his feedback on it. It was one where it wasn't his fault. There was the incompletion and he didn't blame it on the player. And they really liked that character aspect of like a team team player on him. And I think that was, I'm pretty sure that was a combine interview. Yeah, it, it was. It was that, um, I think we posted on The Voyage, which episode two is out on YouTube and Vikings.com. But yeah, that Jaron Hall, that, that's a great example because of, you don't really get to see that in real time, which goes back to the point of, I wonder how much, in per, outside of the top 30 visits, how much in-person time, one-on-one, do these coaches get with the athletes? Because they get time at the you know, pro days, but I, I still think the combine is important simply due to that from Jay's point. And and I'm still warming up to analytics and the NFL. And I'm not old guy who's like, get off my lawn. I don't care about batting average of balls in play or or or, or war or all the baseball type stuff that really made analytics en vogue. But football is a once a week, violent, emotional game. And and you can ask any coach in the history of the NFL, you can go ahead and put together 100 plays against a certain defense that you swear you're going to get because of tens and uh, tendencies and, um, and, and takes and stuff like that. But when you get in the game, it's things change. I mean, they, they the other team changes things. Who knows what the score is? Who knows what the weather is? who knows what kind of mood somebody's in and the, the, the violent aspect and the emotional wherewithal of football makes it very difficult for me to understand exactly how on third and six from the 30, 30, between the 30 and the 37, you know, into a wind uh, X, <laughs> X team does this 72% of the time. It's it just, it's so ever changing. It's tough for me to wrap my arms around. Yeah, that is uh... a, <sighs> That's the the name of the game now, um, analytics, and interested to see how you know science and war kind of uh, make art when it comes to telling this great game uh, to a younger generation of fans or showcasing this great game to a younger generation of fans. On that too, though, you know, kind of the the old saying was "eye in the sky doesn't lie," and yeah. so yeah, I think it's the balance of being able to look at the stat side and seeing if that is translating to what you're really seeing on film. Yeah. Because if, you know, you can sit there and look at all the stats you want, but if a guy dropped a pass and he should have caught it or a uh, quarterback just completely missed on something, like that's not their, you know, it's not the receiver's fault. So I I think it's the combination of both. And I think that's that's how this game has evolved over the years is just the idea of, yeah, you're adding the stats and analytics, but you're looking for patterns versus just using one or the other tool in order to get a complete picture of what you're trying to do completely agree but wouldn't that wouldn't that be a vital part of the cognitive testing i mean True. discussing okay you know you face here we're, we're looking at your game against eastern michigan and we know this analytically speaking and we know that you knew this analytically speaking okay what led you to this you see i i whether it's good or bad i'd really really like to know that yeah that's i don't know i think just understanding the game as we continue to grow with, you know, the way the game is evolving, I, I do think we have to get back to just football being football. It's like, dude, you line up in front of this guy, you make the catch, and you go make a play. And like, there are analytics behind that, but sometimes that's when the it factor just kind of comes in. It was like, dude, this guy can just make a play. He's not the biggest. He's not the fastest. Right. It doesn't fit the analytical model. He's just a football player. And I think, in my opinion, Josh Mattel is that kind of guy. Like, he yep. just doesn't fit any – analytical method of who a person is supposed to be, but he just makes plays. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how that all shapes up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't remember where Chris Jones for the chiefs got drafted, you know, but it, it wasn't in the first round and, you know, so therefore, okay, were there some problems at school or, or something like that? 
And, I mean, he's one of the greatest defensive players in the history of the National Football League. And even at, at this, you know, the latter stages of his career, you know, in some of these games, man, it's if you don't double him, then hide the women and children. And and but 10, 12 years ago, a lot of people wouldn't have said that about Chris Jones, uh, Troy Williamson back in the day, long arms four two guy. All right. Didn't do much at South Carolina, but we're going to correct for Moss. So therefore, we're going to take Williamson, who couldn't play a lick. But he won the he won the approval of a lot of people at the combine because of analytics, even though they weren't doing analytics then. I mean, I think you could also argue Jordan Addison didn't have the body type that everyone wanted That's a good to point. see in a receiver, and and uh, and and really credit to the coaching staff for for spotting him for for using him correctly in the offense and using Josh Metellus correctly in the defense. Was there another maybe? Um, not a Jordan Addison or Josh Montellis, but anyone that the coaching staff had their hands on this season that you just think fans should be really excited about seeing next year? Well, Ivan Ivan Pace Jr. is first and foremost. Okay, it, it's it, why he didn't get drafted. So, so, some of the obvious things would be that he's not super tall. His arms aren't super long. All right, well, he plays inside linebacker. And generally speaking, you can look at the measurables and they're always taller than Ivan and their arms are longer and they're probably faster. But to what Gabe said, I mean, go ahead. If you're a guard and have bad leverage and mix it up one-on-one with Ivan and you're going to be on your butt. You, so therefore you got to be ready for somebody who plays with fire. Now, now that last year was an absolute win for Ivan Pace Jr. But it, to, to establish a long career, what's next? What's going to be better? And then after that, in the third year, that's generally where the superstars, the big timers, just start to own the league. So Ivan Pace Jr. is one for me. Um, I really like what Brian Flores did with uh, Cameron Bynum last year and how he used him uh, in unison with uh, with Harrison Smith. Um, there, you know, uh, th- there will be some that that look at the seven wins and they're like, okay, loser season. Defense fell apart a little bit late, despite being super stretched, uh, be- mostly because of injuries on the offense. But but Makai um, Blackman. I mean, Makai did some really, really good things during the course of the season. But in a prisoner-of-the-moment society, people are going to remember a couple of of sketchy things that he did. Oh, by the way, as a rookie, seeing it for the first time in his life. So I think Makai is going to jump out of his skin next year, and I think he's going to be a starting corner who's going to be exactly what Brian Flores wants. And doing kind of your initial scouting going into the combine, is there a specific group that you're really excited to just kind of watch and break down? Yeah, the quarterbacks, uh, because really, with all due respect to my and our favorite team, until I or we exactly know what the quarterback situation looks like next year, then I'm I'm learning as much as I can about the three everybody thinks are going to go up top. Uh, then after that, uh, the Michigan kid, Penix, Bo Nix, all the way down to this cat from Tennessee and some other people that I'm starting to ask people about. And and even if the Vikings re-sign Kirk Cousins, I'm still not negative on them drafting a quarterback relatively high to kind of settle that thing for the future. Um, so the quarterback situation, the it's it's like 2020. You know, I started to hear right around now, this is going to be the deepest wide receiver draft in the history of the NFL. All right. Well, this year's wide receivers draft is going to be quite good, as Gabe said recently on on my radio show on nine to noon. But 2020 still wins. Last year's tight ends draft was the deepest in the history of the NFL. If you look at where players 
came from in the draft, how much they played and what they did. Sam Laporta being first and foremost. I mean, he's the greatest rookie tight end in the history of the NFL statistically. Uh, Hearing the same thing about quarterbacks this year, that two, three, or four right at the top have a chance to have superstar status. Then after that, there are a good... I think it's between two and six on whom you can rely for many years as as quarterbacks. Well, that's nine. So if those people are right, and they're generally right when they slide me that stuff, or at least close, I mean, you, you kind of got to get your hands on one of them just to have them as part of the stable. Um, so that's the quarterback situation for me is first and foremost because of the importance of the, the position and the uncertainty of what's going on here. Really quick question. So once you actually touch your feet down in Indianapolis and kind of, you know, get everything settled with, with getting there, what does your combine routine look like? Uh, it's pretty much the same every year is I'll go to the hotel adjacent to the JW Marriott, check in, get my tape recorder, the microphones kind of like Tatum on all these road trips. When I see her with her camera, <laughs> just, just busting up and down the sidelines, just looking for something to happen. Uh, so I'll head over to the second or third floor of the JW Marriott and I'll just hang out there and wait for people I recognize, uh, set up some taped interviews with like Kevin Stefanski, coach of the Browns. Uh, that definitely is going to happen. Phil Rauscher, offensive line coach, Jacksonville, formerly here, and does uh, some other stuff. And then just, just craft the best form of combine radio uh, that I can provide. Pete Bursich will be part of the mix this year. That's going to be a first. So figuring out what Pete's strong on, what Gabe and Tatum are strong on, what the uh, Minnesota Vikings media relations staff wants to put forward and um, and and work that into the mix and make sure it's crafted the right way. Uh, go to bed early, get up early, do it all again, then come home. You brought up uh, the combine being somewhat like a spring break for you. Like, what, what are you... Like what? What? What do you do outside of your your normal routine? I got to get this for work. I got to do this. I got to make sure my show's planned. Like, do you do you make any time for yourself to just be? Yes, I okay. mean it, it's it's like there's an Indiana Pacers game on Monday night, so I might go to that game. Courtney Cronin uh, does um, um, some women in the media, or um, I can't remember the exact name, but it's really really good what she does. It's on a Tuesday night, and I think all are invited. So I've known Courtney for years, respect the heck out of her, absolutely love the girl. So I'll probably go there on Tuesday. That's a little different, but with with things that I have going on here. Um, outside of the radio show, I just, I mean, I just, you know, I, I have a lot going on here that requires time to prepare it. So when, when you get the opportunity to be in a hotel room and it's quiet <laughs> and you don't have distractions and you get a chance to write and formulate creative thought without being clomped, those, um, uh, those moments are fleeting for a lot of us. So I take advantage of them. Being a new dad, having no baby for four mm. days, I am co-signing everything you just said yeah. right there. Well, until you get the FaceTime because you won't go to sleep. Well, then yeah. that's going to ruin your next three hours. Well, you could just play sleep at you that know. point. And then we're going to get there for a 10 to 1 show Eastern, 9 to noon, and we're going to be all ready and everything. And, you know, like somebody's going to be late and stuff. It just It's just being able audibles in the national football league are incredibly important and you just have to, to to be able to go with the flow and roll with the changes when you're doing radio or tv at the combine uh simply because things change so frequently but i think a new thing that i'm going to implement this year is all those unbelievably cool guests like charles davis and bucky brooks and stuff like that that i see you guys have I got to find a way to slide in there with my microphone, too, and get those taped interviews on 9 to noon. 
As you should. Well, Tatum and I are both looking forward to being down there with you. Um, In the meantime, best of luck. Appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, no problem. God bless you guys, and um, I'll see you at the Combine. Jay, ED, everybody be cool, and thanks for listening. That was the voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen. Never never a dull moment when he joins us, and I'm sure it's going to be an entertaining time in Indianapolis next week at the NFL Combine. But just looking at just everything he said and certain things that that we really – are looking forward to Tatum. I'll start with you. Are, are there any, I guess, talking points or anything on or off the field that you're most looking forward to in Indy next week? I'm really interested to hear Kevin and Quasey at the podium again. I feel like that's kind of when you start to really see a little bit into, you know, well, you see what they want you to see, right? As much as they want to give you, but you get to see a little bit about maybe where their mind's at. It's been a little while since we've heard from them, obviously with free agency approaching and the draft and stuff, there's gonna be a lot of reporters there who want to know about our major free agents that are going to be, have contracts expiring in March. And so I'm excited to hear them and what type of messaging they have for fans through the, you know, through the questions the media has for sure. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you guys are on the ground, like PA, you know, all of you guys are going to be there being able to kind of Mm -hmm. feel out what the vibe's like just in general. And as somebody who gets to watch it from afar and watches it via TV and then you just, you see all the social media stuff. And there's, like you said, there's always some sort of news and subterfuge type stuff that's coming out and you're trying to figure out like what's legit, what's not. Um, you know, that's at least on my end, it's, it, it's always been looked at as kind of the uh, official, unofficial kickoff to the NFL season. And this is where everyone can kind of get together. And, you you know, basically from that point on, a couple weeks later, then you've got all your free agency pieces coming. And then eventually you're transitioning into full-on draft draft at the end of April. So this is the really fun, exciting part where fans really do start to get geeked up when you start to hear about, you know, possible free agent signings and contracts and everything else. So for me, it's fun. It's, it's, always, it's always a fun little launch point to say, here we go, 2024. You hit that right on the head, both of you guys did. I, I look at the combine as kind of like golf. It's kind of like you you see what the tee times are, and that's when you turn the TV on to see, like, when to watch. So uh, the quarterbacks, you know, wide receivers, like, that's when people will be watching. So I'm interested to see just from an entertainment perspective. We talked about it the past few weeks with the Super Bowl just passing. I'm, I'm interested to see how the NFL takes the combine and takes it to the next level from an entertainment standpoint because it's not fun to watch. Like nothing about the nothing about the combine, in my opinion, is fun. Just seeing guys just run up and down the field or catch passes or just throw eighty yard passes with no one rushing them. So it's like you know this is great, but still like, do we have a national anthem? Like it's Post Malone singing. <laughs> Wait, uh, we really do? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out hypotheticals. <laughs> so I'm like. Like, wow, this thing has gotten big. (laughs) Right. But it's just to to the point of just like entertainment wise, like how does the NFL continue to be the biggest on the biggest platform and make it for everyone to watch? Well, that's the thing. Like you go and talk to some of the old scouts and the old scouts look at it and say, I can't understand why people go so excited to watch people run four seconds at a time. You know, like it's, it's one of those feelings on their end. They're, they're like, it used to literally be like in a ballroom and stuff. And now it's turned into appointment viewing every single year like um you know even with talking to meets us on the previous show he's just like he loves the draft so much that you know he'd rather watch it over some regular season games so it just for a lot of fans it shows you how much this league means to a lot of people and how excited they get and as soon as the season's over they're looking for another thing that's associated with it to, to pay attention again so as somebody who you know has seen this stuff and been around it as much as i have it it is interesting just to see the evolution of how much the 
fans love the combine and you know it is appointment viewing for a lot of people nice well the vikings hold nine picks in the 2024 nfl draft so i'm sure the combine will play a big factor into whether the vikings stay put whether they move up or move back so uh, every moment, every second is of value for this Minnesota Vikings team this offseason as they continue to move forward. Um, the Voyage, episode two, has released. It is highlighting the Vikings five-game win streak and the adversity that the Vikings faced uh, once Kirk Cousins went down, even when Justin Jefferson went down against the Kansas City Chiefs. So you can check that out right now. It's on Vikings.com. It's on the Vikings YouTube page. And it will air on Saturday night at 10 p.m., on Fox 9. Have either one of you been able to check that out? Yeah, I, I I went through and checked it out. And the thing that's so interesting about it is it does, like you, you mentioned, it kicks off with the Kansas City game and it ends with the Green Bay game. Yeah. And just to see kind of, you know, that piece and to hear from the other players where and, and to hear from Coach O'Connell some of the messaging that was happening within the team meetings and just how positive they're trying to stay to get back on track. And then even to hear out of Kirk's own mouth kind of his feelings on what happened in Green Bay and kind of the realization as he was processing it. I mean, it's it it is inside information that most people are not going to get. And to have something like this and to have the front office sign off on giving this kind of access is really special. So it, it it's a really good episode. And I highly recommend uh, watching all of the voyage and, and, and all the episodes because of what they give you for access. Yeah, that piece of video has been making its rounds on the on the Kirk interwebs yeah yeah since we've released it I mean the Vikings Nate Vaughn the entire Vikings entertainment network does a great job of just telling some of the untold stories that a lot of people outside of the building do not get access to so uh, make sure you check that out the voyage episode two out now on vikings.com guys uh, we close today's show um, the next show will be in Indianapolis. It will be with uh, most likely Demetrius Washington, who is the VP of um, football operations for the Minnesota Vikings. And as we move forward, it'll be a unique opportunity for fans to kind of get an in-depth perspective from an inside standpoint of what the draft room or what the process looks like uh, for this Vikings front office. I think it's going to be a lot of fun hearing from some of these guys. And uh, we'll also get a chance to hear from Quasey and Kevin. Uh, their press conference is next Tuesday. I believe that's at 1230 Eastern yep. and 1 p.m. Eastern. So yep. make sure you're staying tuned to Vikings.com uh, for those. Uh, any final thoughts for you guys? No, I'm excited to bring you a lot of content from the Combine. We're yeah. going to be talking with several experts. Obviously, PA show will be live from there with Pete Persich and Gabe. And so it's going to be a lot of a lot of content coming your way. If you felt like it's been a little bit of a lull lately, Buckle up your seatbelts because it's about to not be. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, that's the thing that's that's great, too, about the Combine is the partnership that we have with KFAN and the fact that all of you um, are able to pull such great content and be able to feed that. And, you know, I don't think there's any place, whether it's Vikings.com, social media, YouTube, whatever, that's not going to have some sort of coverage. So just find your favorite uh, watering hole place to, to uh, Seriously. you know, uh, consume and just enjoy it as much as possible. And, and I look forward to what you guys are creating next week. So much fun ahead lies for this Minnesota Vikings team. And uh, we're so excited to bring you guys that content as it unfolds under our eyes or beneath our eyes. For Vikings.com, Tatum Everett, our producer, Eric Davidson, and Jay Nelson to my right. My name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you guys again for tuning into another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. 87% of our food comes from rural America. 
Farmers are incredible, agriculture is incredible, and rural is incredible. Lando Lakes is a farmer-owned cooperative and proud official sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings. Say hello to flawlessly smooth skin at Pure Lux Med Spa, the preferred med spa of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. Specializing in elite laser hair removal, body contouring, Botox, cosmetic filter, and age-defying skin care treatments such as Diamond Glow and Skin Pen for collagen induction therapy. For more information, visit MyPureLux.com backslash Vikings for exclusive offers to Vikings fans. That's www.mypurelux.com backslash Vikings.